Oh, man, look at the sun shining outside. What a lovely day. Uh, it's going to be a lovely day. It is a lovely day. Oh, goodness. So we're, uh, we're, we're at Ruth. We're going to be here for a minute. Um, if, if this is the first time you set in on a sermon about this, you're like, oh, I missed the first chapter. It should be all online. Go back and catch up if you'd like. Um, and if you're like, oh, I must have missed Judges that came before this. You did not. We're doing Ruth and then Judges. And I know for those of you who may have been in church for a minute, like, I don't like any of this. This is the wrong order. That's okay. You can take it up with the management. Um, they're more than happy to argue with you that the order is irrelevant. But as we, we, we had a couple reasons that we did this. And uh, what's really poignant, I think, about this is Judges, if I may, is a kind of a dark book. There's a lot of uh, hopelessness. And that's what it's meant to convey. Men trying to figure things out on their own, mankind rather. Uh, and it's not we're bad at that as a general rule. Um, the really cool thing about, uh, the, uh, the very cool thing about doing Ruth first is this is such an uplifting story. It's very sweet, it's very tender, but it's also very biblical. And even though we don't see God mentioned directly at all, virtu virtually, we see that God's hand is, is weaving this tale together just as he's weaving the tale of Judges together. We see a sovereign God in two perspectives. So we're, we're tackling Ruth first for a couple reasons. One, the practical reason that Mike mentioned is secret church, David Platt's going to make us look like fools by actually teaching this book adequately. So I encourage you to come check that out. If a little else, you can take some notes and really let us have it. We're doing our honest best, but David Platt's been at this a bit longer than uh, myself for certain. But also, it's nice, I think, to start with a perspective that it's not always doom and gloom in the Old Testament. Sometimes it gets to feeling like these are things we could never live up to. These are things that are... I'm glad we've left them behind in many regards. I'm glad that Jesus fulfilled it. This is not one of those books. <laughs> this is one of those books that most people want to. And today, at the beginning of chapter 2, we're really going to take a look at, I think, what starts to make um, this, this sort of a love story, if you will, unfold and why it's so cool how God chose to reveal this story to us in this way. So let's read together just the first half of Ruth uh, 2. If you've got your Bible, uh, feel free to read with me in there or not. It'll be on the screen here. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who is in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who is in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Let's pray. Lord, as we dive into this book uh, even deeper, I pray that uh, we, can, we can look at this with open eyes. I pray for this a lot, Lord. But uh, I, I can speak for myself. A lot of times we come to books like this with preconceived notions and that, that maybe we've studied it a number of times and, and we know what's going on and it's easy to kind of tune that out or just uh, fall back on whatever we've known before, Lord. Help us to look at this with fresh eyes. But we know that the entire Bible is, is put together in such a way to glorify you and present your son as the ultimate savior, the, the only thing that can ever give us eternal hope, Lord. And as we study this today, Lord, I pray that we will approach it with that mindset. Where is Jesus in this story? How do we see this being foretold of, of even the world that we're in today? What can we take from this to be more effective Christians and do the, the task that you've called us to in a better way? Thank you for this time together, Lord. In your sons, I pray. Amen. All right. So, love story, blech. I don't know about you all, but I'm not a big fan of these. I know some are like, oh, that's not true. If you like love stories, this one is wonderful. There's no two ways about it. It's a beautiful tale about two people, if you will, falling in love and the things that happen after that. And it's massively impactful to the world that we live in today. What we get in here is a little, a little vignette of a link in a chain from prophecy to salvation. In this little tale of Ruth the Moabite. But if you don't like love stories, this one is still wonderful. What I'm going to be talking about today has a lot... It's not going to be very love story centric, right? So I, I tend to approach books in a more pragmatic way, and I'm not going to say that the love here is bad and that we're not to talk about that, but I think there's a lot more to it than just a, a nice love story, as one might expect, right? As chapter two opens, the tragedy of chapter one has led us back to Israel. So if you hear last week, basically times have gone wrong over in the land of Moab, everybody's died for the most part. And Naomi says, i got to get out of here. I'm too old. Nobody can take care of me here. I'm not going to be able to remarry. I can't have kids. I'm out of here. I'm going back to Israel where I'm from. And only Ruth says, I'm going with you. I'll serve you and I'll serve your God. That's where I'm going. That's how it's going to be. And Naomi says, okay, you're with me then. Let's roll. So the love that we see unfolding, beginning in this chapter, it is absolutely beginning in this chapter, make no mistake, <laughs> but it's born of something much more than emotion. Ruth did not come back to Israel because she was looking for a husband and was scared of being left alone in Moab with whatever's over there. She came back because she followed Naomi, and that is because of faith. I say faith alone uh, because, you know, obviously I like that. It's one of those solos. I bring them up a lot. But Ruth's, face in the, Ruth's, <laughs> Ruth's faith, goodness gracious, I should have said this all out loud before I typed it this way. The faith that Ruth has in Naomi and Naomi's God leads her out to work. So that's really where this, this, this chapter is opening. Uh, there, there is no, there's no question here that might seem, <clears throat> maybe there, there is a question, right? But th this isn't Ruth come, now what do I do? You know, here we are, Naomi, woe is us, whatever else. We see now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, and Ruth said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean. Now she's asking permission because she's probably a little nervous about this area, what's, what's okay, whatever else. But she asks her, she wants to go, and she wants to hope to find the favor of a man. Now, this very much sounds like a rom-com of whatever in today. I just got to find a man. All I ever do is glean. Let's see what happens. But fundamentally here, and this is key, they need to survive. It's two ladies. There's no man in their lives. They're back, and it's not a foreign land to Naomi, but it would be foreign to Ruth. And Naomi's been gone for a long time, so it might even feel foreign to her. And at this time period especially, 
if you didn't have a husband or a father, you needed the favor of a man. They owned all the land. They basically had all the money. It was in, in their charge. So Ruth is being practical. When we see this, this is my opinion of this, and it's debatable that it's a two thing. That's fine. But I don't think Ruth's like, I've got to get out there and get hitched. I'm lonely. This is, I have got to go find a man that will provide for us in some manner. Gleaning, that's going to have to work for now, but we'll see what happens. So gleaners going to glean. So Ruth sets out to glean or basically gather the leftovers. We don't use the term gleaning very much anymore, only because a lot of us aren't harvesting regularly, right? But it basically means to gather leftovers. So you have these folks that were doing the reaping, and they're bundling up the things that they're reaping, and a little bit of that falls out. Tiny bits laying on the ground here and there. Gleaners could come into the field and pick that up. The people that were running the field, it wasn't really a priority for them. They're, the reapers are working dawn till dusk, reaping bulk, mass amounts from the field. But the gleaners then, oftentimes as a favor, right? You wouldn't just want anybody in there gleaning. You might ask for permission or certainly find some favor, go in there and basically pick up what they can. The leftovers. That's all that she's here to do. She's not asking to go out there and say, I'm going to join the reaping team. I need to go meet a guy. I'm going to go out there and take the scraps that I can get, and that's going to be okay for us. We can use that to sell it. We can use it to make food. There's a lot of things we could do with that. We're not going to get rich, but it's going to be something we can at least get by on now. So she makes her way in this effort to Boaz's field. So she's going through all these. It says his part of the field, but it, you could think of it like a, a whole big bunch of land, and there's an area that's Boaz's, and she makes her way into there. And then, of course, we get this wonderful glimpse of Boaz's character. If you've ever worked for anybody, um, this might make you a little bit jealous, perhaps, in a good way, but I would love to work at a place where when my boss walks in the room, he says, the Lord be with you, and we all just say, and the Lord bless you, Right? But the tone is set. This is the first thing out of his mouth, as far as we can tell, to his workers, right, is a, is a blessing. The Lord be with you. G good morning in the name of the Lord, right? The kind of things we say to one another at church, he's saying here in the field. And they answer, the Lord bless you. So that's, this is beautiful for us to know that Boaz is clearly a man of God. He believes in God, believes, that the things, believes in the things of God, and he even approaches his workplace in this very tone. The things that we're here to do, the way that we're interacting, this is because of God. The Lord be with you. They answer, the Lord bless you. And then right after that, we see that he notices Ruth. The Lord bless you, they say. Then Boaz said to his young man, whose young woman is this? Whose young woman is this? Uh, as, as a man, I don't know that I've ever asked that question. Um, I remember when I saw Jane for the first time, I didn't think, whose young woman is this? <laughs> but this is something I think at the time... This is very poignant. What we don't see from Boaz, and I do this all the time, if you ever hear me preach, I like seeing what we don't see. We don't see him say, I'm going to marry her. She's attractive. Now, we could say that he probably found her attractive. I'm okay with that. But what he asks is, whose young woman is this? In this world, he doesn't know who she belongs to. It's a grown woman in an area that he's probably pretty familiar with grown women that are around the area. He's been here a minute, right? It's very close-knit communities. Whose young woman is this? Who is providing for her? Who is taking care of her? Who is in charge of this young woman? She certainly can't be here by herself. That makes no sense. So Boaz has told her name and while he's, why she's here. And I find the explanation from the servant very verbose. I love this explanation. Whose young woman is this? She is a young Moabite woman, okay, who came back with Naomi from the, the country of Moab. Oh, yeah, right, okay. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. Okay, that's why she's here, because she asked. 
So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. This worker is contexting, do not get angry at her. She asked, and I said it was okay, and she's been working hard, right? I find that interesting, right? They are immediately defending Ruth. And when we talk about why and all this sort of stuff, I think it speaks to the character of Boaz, to the character of his workers, and to obviously the sovereignty of God. We talk about, if, if you ever read, you know, in the Old Testament as well, we see God hardening hearts a lot. Here's a great example, I think, of God softening hearts. These workers, Boaz, all these other folks, they're very tender towards Ruth. Very tender towards Ruth. She's, she's, just been, she's just been gleaning. None of that was stolen. She asked for permission, and she has been working like crazy. She's taking this very seriously. And he mentions her commitment. And I think this is very interesting that he would mention this because Boaz knows Naomi. We see later on that he's well aware of the situation. So when he sees her out here gleaning, picking up stuff, gathering things together, he knows that she is helping to provide for Naomi. She is committed. Her faith that brought her back to here, is, 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 this commitment is massive. She's out here working. She doesn't even know me. She's trusting. She's She's being cordial, and my workers are impressed with her, and I'm impressed with her because I know the trials and tribulations that she's gone through thus far. And here's where we see Boaz extending this courtesy, this warmth, this hospitality, or the burgeoning, uh, you know, butterflies in the stomach of love, whatever you wanted to say. But what we see Boaz do is basically give her some instruction. I call it pro tips from Boaz. He doesn't say or else here, but he says, let me give you some truth that will keep you safe in this place. Only glean in my field. Now, we, we know earlier that she's gone through many fields and finally came to Boaz's field. Now what we hear Boaz saying is, you come to my field. This is the place I want you to be because it's the safest for you. Think about this a little bit. There's two things that happen. She probably has a, there's some numbers coming up about leaders of all this stuff, but she's gathered up some of these grains and she's got probably a massive amount of them or some degree, and it's come from the full field. Not just Boaz, but everywhere she's been. Now Boaz says, I want you to come here. I want you to be in my field only. Don't go over there. It's just not, it's just not worth it. Pay attention to the ladies that are working in my field. Now at this time, chances are, at least based on descriptions, the overseer, the, the servant in charge of the reapers was a guy. He says the young man. But the reapers were likely women. Could well have been. So he's saying, see what they're doing. I want you to stick close to them. Pay attention to what they're doing. The other gleaners, the people that are here that I'm helping out. But, but, but be, hang out with them. If you're together in numbers and in groups, it's better, it's safer. Uh, and uh, they already kind of know how this works, and they can kind of show you the ropes. The men in my field will protect you, and they'll mind their hands, right? They're not going to touch you. They're not going to bother with you. They're going to protect you. So their presence here should give you comfort, especially hanging out with these other ladies, that you don't have to be worried about that here. You are safe here. And even if you're thirsty, they will draw you a drink, now, if, if you want to talk about subtle provisioning, he doesn't even have her draw her own water. This is a, this is a symbolic thing used in the Bible a few times. I don't want to go too far off this field, right? But there's a woman at a well, uh, the notion of drawing water. This is used as something that is a, a, an act of deference in many regards. And this is what he's doing, is these men, at my request, will take care of your needs. They will guard you, they will keep you safe, and they will provide water for you. And Ruth's reaction, as you might expect, shocked and appreciative. She's baffled at why this man would favor her so. Now, if you go back to the beginning, it might, you might think 
that maybe they had a conversation about Boaz. We don't see that here. The very first, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. That's it. So we don't know. Maybe they talked about it, but I don't know. I like to think that she hadn't really mentioned. She knows he's out there along with some other people. And we're gonna do, we talked about the kinsman redeemer, and hopefully this will come to pass, and I'm going to need to be provided for, and maybe they can help me out in that. But Ruth is, is just, this guy's blowing her mind. And I'm sure, as you might imagine, this is the part where she's like, well, I'm, I, just so you know, full disclosure here, I'm a foreigner. I can't believe you're being so nice to me, and you know I'm not from here, right? I'm not an Israelite. I'm from Moab. And I think she does this because she doesn't want any later drama. She doesn't want any accusations that she uh, pretended to be something that she wasn't. And when he finds out, he's angry, and then something bad happens, which is going to put Naomi in jeopardy. So she's being as, as clear as she can be. I am not from this place. I appreciate this, but just so you know, I'm not from here. And what do we see Boaz say? I know who you are. I know who you are, and I know what you've done. Right after, right after this here, she says, uh, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I'm a foreigner? Boaz says, All you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. He knows exactly what's going on. And her commitment to Naomi and to God over even her own family is noteworthy to Boaz. We talk about this a lot today. We'll preach things like, hey, he might call you to leave your family and your friends. And we say, yeah, well, that's going to be tough. A lot of us maybe hang out with our families, but a little bit. At this time, let me tell you, <laughs> that's really all you had. If you were not participating with your family, you were likely going to die uh, just because everything was so centered around that. The land that you owned, the places that you worked, the way you behaved, all this really a big part of family. So leaving your family, especially as a young woman of marrying age, moving to another land that has some hostility with the land that you're from in a lot of regards, is a very brave thing to do, especially for her to be able just to make sure that Naomi is taken care of and that she's not left alone. Boaz knows this fully. He knows the danger that she's in. He knows the, the thoughts that are probably rattling around in her head, and he finds that commitment worth noting, which is why he says it right to her. And then we see Boaz do is comfort her with compassion. Uh, I love it because Boaz prays just after that. The Lord repay, the Lord, I say pray because obviously he's, he's, he's speaking out loud, but the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ironically, Boaz is part of the repayment that he prays for here. <laughs> the Lord repay you for what you have done. And he's saying this to her as he's repaying her for what she has done, right? Clearly, Boaz is a man of God and understands how unusual this is, and he knows that Ruth is here ultimately for comfort in the Lord. Yes, she's here to take care of Naomi. She's out in the field, and she's working. His, his servants have attested to that. She was busy all day. She only took, like, one brief break. That's it. She is, she is getting it done. She's not looking for a handout. She's earning what she's taking. Um, and, and, but that's not the whole reason that she's here. What she really wants and what Boaz knows and the kind of thing when we talk to people out in the world that we should know is what people really want is comfort in the Lord. They don't want to be worrying about things as much. They don't want to be as concerned about tomorrow, as concerned about all the things that the world may or may not do or the things that may or may not happen. We want peace and we want comfort in the Lord, and that's what Ruth's really after. And Boaz is doing his part to repay her in a very worldly way right now 
let me help you take care of this, that, and the other. And we're going to get into more of this as we move into, a, into, this, into to the next week's sermon about how full his commitment was to take care of her in this regard. But Boaz is doing his part. And then, the, then finally here we see Ruth thanking Boaz. Clearly she has found favor in the eyes of Boaz. So he's like, let me take care of this. And she says, listen, I'm foreign. He says, well, I know you're foreign. And I know why you're here. And I know who you're here to take care of. And I find all that amazing. And I hope the Lord continues to take care of you in myriad ways. And you find the comfort that you've, that you've, you've come here to seek under, underneath his wings, protected from the world. Interestingly enough, though, no mention of any other field owners doing a thing. We'll get a bigger glimpse of this later on when an actual question comes up with another person that could do the job that Boaz is ultimately going to do here. And they're like, eh. Why? Because they probably know as well. I can tell you right now, if a Moabite woman came to Martinsville, we're what, 15,000? Maybe less than 10, 12? I don't know. If a Moabite woman moved to Martinsville with an, an older Martins, Martinsvillian woman and she set out to work odd jobs, people would probably be chattering about that pretty quickly. Ooh, I've never met a Moabite woman. Ooh, that's interesting. What's she doing here? Oh, well, I remember her grandmother, Naomi, but are they related? Is that from a... Guaranteed. This is a similar style of community, right? People knew who Ruth was. They knew where she was from. And I bet you a lot of these guys are like, oh boy, just get her through the field. <laughs> don't, I'm not going to say a word about it. Hi, hi, I don't know. I, yeah, that's the Moabite girl. Yep, that's trouble. But no, thank you. So nobody else is doing a thing, and, and then here comes Boaz, who basic, basically lavishes her in some regards, right? Now, I know it doesn't seem like that. Oh, wow. You can have all the water you want. <laughs> oh, what a nice guy. I mean, really, and you'll pay for it? That's really great. But remember at this time, this is a huge deal. Things like water and a well would have been protected and guarded. You weren't just going to get all, because those things can run dry. And then what do you have? So what he is doing for her is, is quite an overture for somebody that he literally just met and has only heard of. But, and, and, and also knowing this, and in spite of her hard work to glean, and that's evident here, that's not what she's thankful for. She doesn't say, oh, thank you, right? Our, our mean to eat uh, and, and, and sell and, and be able to live is taken care of. What, she, what we see here is, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant. I mean, that probably melted him a great deal. She just wanted somebody to be nice. She wanted to feel like somebody cared for her. Not just took care of her needs. Here's some, here's some wheat. Please go. Glean and hurry up. I don't need anybody seeing a Moabite woman in my field. Not Boaz. My daughter, he refers to her as, right? All these things to put her at peace. The same way that Naomi speaks to her. Boaz speaks to her. As a father. As a comforter. As a compassionate person committed to making sure that she's going to be taken care of. That's what she's most thankful for, that Boaz comforted her and spoke kindly to her despite not knowing her. So with that, let's jump into some points here. Let's all agree that all this began because God moved. Bad things happened in, in Moab and people moved back. So when God moves, God's people need to be attentive. When God moves, God's people need to be inviting. When God moves, God's people need to be compassionate. And finally, when he moves, God's people need to be committed. Let's dive into this. You might be thinking, 
Um, all right. I mean, this is kind of a leap. I think you see what I mean. So God brought Ruth back. There's really no question about it. The first chapter makes this abundantly clear. All these things just happened. No problem. We know God's sovereign. Naomi commits to move back. Two people come up. One says, I, I can't do this. You're right. I'm out of here. I'll just stay. I got a family here. It's better than nothing. The other says, no, I follow you. I follow your God. Okay. Out of all the other owners here, only Boaz noticed her. There was a lot of opportunity, I would imagine, between all the fields we went to, <clears throat> all we went to, sorry, all the fields Ruth went to, I was not there, I doubt anyone else was either, but we see that she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now, you could say, well, maybe that's the first place she came to. Okay, that's fine. I like the idea that she's been out here gleaning for a minute, picking up what she can, and finally came into Boaz's field, and that's when she was noticed. But we don't see any evidence of anyone else saying anything to her. Nobody asking her if she needs some water. She looks like she's tired. Who is this? Oh, I heard what you did for Naomi. That's really great. They just can't give her the time of day. When it comes to God's people, we need to be paying attention for outsiders that are seeking favor. This is exactly what Boaz does an excellent job of here. Somebody is here seeking favor. Well, that's not true, Chris. She's just there to glean. Okay. Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. It's clear as a bell. She's going to glean, this is true, but her big driver is I need to find somebody who can provide for me, protect me. I need someone that will speak kindly and compassionate to me. I need that. I'm going for that as well as the gleaning. And I think when it comes to what we're going to do here as a church, like Boaz, we need to understand that, yes, there are going to be people that are maybe coming in our doors that we'll get a chance to talk to that are looking for something else, like I want a meal or I want some food or, or I want some time spent with. But what I really want is to find favor in somebody's eyes. I want somebody to favor me, to make me feel like I matter to them. We don't use the word favor very much, right? I, I, I don't speak, I'm very proud of Emma and Jame in many regards. I don't say, well, on Facebook, my daughter has found favor in my eyes this day. <laughs> I say I'm proud of her because she did something, right? Or I'm proud of Jane because she did something else or this, that, and the other. But it's really the same exercise. It's this kind of public declaration for their sake and the sake of those around to let you know you matter to me. I know of you. I see you. This term's thrown around a lot today. I just want to be seen. A lot of people don't want to be seen. They want to, or they maybe want to be seen in costume, or they want you to see the version of them they want you to see. But there is something about being seen, warts and all, and having somebody say, let's have a hug. You want some water? I'll get it for you. They'll take care of you. Stick with these girls. They know how it works around here. They'll make sure everything's on the up and up. Oh, my gosh, I'm part of something immediately. I'm in a family. I'm part of the team. This guy cares. He knows who I am. I'm a foreign woman, but I'm here to seek favor. And that's the last bullet. Ruth figures she'd be seen as less than. Well, you haven't. Anybody ever talked to somebody about Jesus and they and hear something like this? Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've done. And I say, that's true, but God does. And all those things were paid for when Christ said, it is finished. You can't out-sin the atoning power of the blood of Christ. You cannot do it. I'm telling you, I don't care what you've done or what you think you've done, what you're going to do, what you're planning to do. If you are God's, then that sin is paid for. And in this case, what we see here is Ruth saying, I, I got nothing. I'm broke. All I am is a foreigner. I know where I rank. And Boaz says, would you like something to drink? 
I am proud of what you have done for Naomi. I am proud of you for being so strong and following the faith of the Lord. And I pray that the Lord will, will see fit to repay you for this because I know what it cost you. So compassionate. And it's because Boaz was paying attention. When he walks into that field, I just I love the cadence of it. I know we don't know how much time has passed between the two, and it's probably debatable. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Whose young woman is this? I mean, this dude, I imagine, shows up and he's like, good morning, everybody. Who's that? Right away. New visitor. I know this is corny. Who's, I'm not saying when someone comes to the church that we all go, hey, Lord be with you. And I go, oh, goodness gracious. But this idea about we're, you are, he's paying attention. Who is in my field? And I care for the people in this field. If you're in my field, you're in my charge to some degree. What do you need? Who are you? Who is that? That's Ruth. Ruth, Naomi's Ruth. Oh, I heard about this. She's out here gleaning already? Well, come here, my daughter. Let me tell you a thing or two. Don't go over there. Those guys are mongrels. Stay with my guys. They will not touch you. And if they do, I'm going to touch them if you catch my drift. If you're thirsty, they'll get you some water. The ladies will show you how it works. You don't need to hear all that from me. Great to see you. She's flabbergasted. She's caught unawares, I think, because he was so attentive. But beyond that, what we see is God's people need to be inviting. Yes, he notices her, but he doesn't scowl and complain about another gleaner. All these fields, and they always glean in my field. No. He shows great compassion and invites her into his field for safety. If you're here, then I'm I'm, going to take charge of this. I'm going to make sure you're okay. Here are the resources we have. Glean to your heart's content. Um, I see you've worked hard to get back here. I see you heard, I've heard from my workers. You've been working hard all day. Um, you're welcome. And it's great to have you here. And please come back. He doesn't say, next time you come, or please come back and glean. He doesn't say that, right? Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. <laughs> right? It's pretty implied that you're going to be doing this again. And when you do, right here's where you're going to be. You're, you're mine now. I, I want to care for you. I don't mean that in a negative way. He's not saying you're my property. But this is, I'm telling you, I am, I'm charging myself to keep care of you. I want you to come back. This place is ready for you. It's got everything you need. And, and, and we are here for you. Great compassion invites her into his field for safety. He knows that what his field isn't without danger. The others are worse, right? So let's make it clear here. I don't, we don't get the idea that like you're immune from harm. But he has charged his men not to touch her. It's been very clear. He's made it clear. He has made some rules in his field about how women are going to be treated. The other fields may not have that. Now, somebody that does something untoward and a word gets out, they're probably going to be punished. Perhaps, who knows what, what, what Boaz would do. We don't see anything happen in the story. But he doesn't grant her, you'll never be harmed here. He just says, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be safe, right? Have I not charged young men not to touch you? This is the place. This is the best. I've got your back. I will care for you. And we see this echoed later. Cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. So we, we, we see these, this notion of when, when godly men begin to do godly things, they start to emulate a lot of what we see Christ fulfilling in the future. That's what makes this story so beautiful. Who, in their right mind, wouldn't want somebody like a Boaz to appear in their life in a time of absolute desperation? And when we talk about being inviting as a congregation, as a, as a people of God, this is the point. 
We all have an opportunity to be a Boaz to a potential Ruth that has walked in that is really looking to find favor. Yes, I need to eat. Yes, I want to help. I can sweep the floors. I can wash the windows. I can do other things. But what I really want is for somebody to favor me. I'm tired of feeling like it, it's, everything is wrong. And it's, I know, I know I'm a foreign woman. And I know and I know and I know. But wouldn't it be wonderful to just have somebody favor me for a change? What we see when we study the New Testament a lot of times is we tell people, you have found favor in the Lord's side. He died for you and your sins, yeah? But anyway, we don't like you. Please leave. <laughs> we're doing it wrong if we're doing that. And lastly here, what we see is this invitation is striking to Ruth. And she falls to her face, confused at his reaction. If you want to flabbergast the world, act like Boaz. <laughs> and watch people act. Wait, what? Why are you doing this for me? Why are, you, why are you treating me this way? That's how I'd want to be treated. <laughs> if I was a foreigner in a strange land living with a widow, knew nobody, had no money, I would very much like somebody to care for me, help me out, do the needful. That's what I want. So that's, that's why I'm doing it. When God moves, God's people need to be compassionate. Now, what we see here, of course, interestingly, is, is Ruth, as a, as a woman of God, is already being compassionate toward Naomi, right? She didn't let her come back on her own. And because of that, Boaz is keenly aware of what she has done, the steps that she has taken. He knows the sacrifice she made and the compassion that she showed toward Naomi. And Naomi is a relative of his in some regard, right? So he knows her or knows of her, most certainly, and has a direct link to care for, for Naomi. So when Ruth makes a huge sacrifice to care for somebody who he already cares for, well, now Boaz is, is ready to care for you too. Because of this, this is why we see him happy to show her even more compassion. He already knows the story. She can glean in his field, that's true, but also stick with his reapers and drink water when she's thirsty. I've got you covered. This is above and beyond. I am favoring you. He provided more than she asked for. All the way at the beginning of this chapter, she says, I just want to go glean and maybe find favor. Well, she found favor. And now she's being invited back to glean and have some water. And she's going to make some friends with these young ladies. She's going to have some protectors and the young men. They're all going to know her. Word will get out pretty quick that she's probably somewhat untouchable. Uh, anyway, it's just the nature of things. Oh, that's one of Boaz's reapers, I guess. Now she, she technically just gleans, but only in his field. That's weird. Anyway, if I were you, I wouldn't bother her. Because uh, you don't want Boaz or his, uh, you know, his forces or whatever to come knocking on your door about how you treated Ruth. And then lastly here, what we see is when God moves, God's people need to be committed. Boaz makes it clear that he desires the Lord to repay her for her good deeds. Now, you talk about a commitment. He knows what she's up against, but he, we see him basically praying that the Lord will take care of her. But then unironically, he sets about doing that very thing. Church, if there's anything not to miss here, it's this. What did Boaz not say? Hey, Ruth, thoughts and prayers. I'll be praying for you. Right? I'm not saying don't pray. If you don't think Boaz prayed for Ruth, I'd argue. argue. Doesn't say it here. I don't care if it says it or not. He was praying for her. He's probably been praying for her before he met her. He probably heard the story and already lifted her up in thanksgiving to, to God. Oh, Lord, thank you for this young woman who is willing to put up with all the nonsense it's going to be, she's going to have to put up with here in the world of the time of the judges, right? Uh, to come back here to take care of Naomi. I'm just so thankful, Lord. It's great to see her back. And, and then all of a sudden, here she is in the field. He's like, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? 
Awesome. Awesome. Now it's my turn. Now it's my turn. Lord, just help, help her to find some way to, to have things taken care of. And, and, and then the Lord leads, him into her, leads her into his field. And I bet Boaz says, boom. Thank you, Lord. Hey, I've been praying that the Lord's going to repay you for that. And here's what I can offer. Water, gleaning, so on and so forth. That's where it starts. Now, if you finish the book, there's a lot more coming between Boaz and Ruth. But for now, what we see is he just let me know. What I've got here, you help yourself to it. He was committed to keeping her safe as she was precious to Naomi, thus precious to Boaz. The commitment is also shocking to Ruth. <laughs> she falls down once, and then at the end of this, we see the same thing about, I cannot believe how nice you are being to me. I, I'm so happy. I am, it, it just brings her such joy that someone spoke kindly to her. These are Ruth's words, not mine. I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant though I am not one of your servants. Now, it's a lovely story about relationships and commitment then, right? Yes. Yes, yes it is. And yes, it is. But throughout the Bible, God often uses our relationships with other people as types of our relationship with God. Maybe you've never heard anything like this before, and you furrow your brow and think, I don't know about that. That's not true. Well, you know, fight me on that, I guess, right? Because I think it is true. And I think in every relationship we see with one another, even if they're good, like Boaz and Ruth, leading to marriage, that's a relationship, that's a type. Marriage is, is, is used, uh, the, the way God describes marriage and the way that it's cultivated is used to describe our relationship to Christ. We are his bride. So here we are on earth having marriages with husbands and wives, brides and grooms. All these things are designed to last. If, if you focus on the relationships and how they change, it's very interesting, especially in this story. And this applies to nearly every relationship that you're going to see in the Bible. And I see this story as, additionally, it is a love story between Boaz and Ruth. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking that away from it. But it's also an allegory of the church. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. Yeah, let's just follow me here a little bit, all right? Ruth is much like a new believer. She's excited, nervous, and wants to connect and grow. She said as much at the beginning of this, right? I'm, in, I'm nervous to be back here. Naomi, let me go glean, right? I'm still not sure of the rules. Can I go? Naomi says, by all means. She says, also, I'm gonna find, I need to find favor of a man, right? We got to figure out what we're going to do here to get, get cared for. We just can't be two single women hanging out for long, not in this time period. But I'm excited. I'm here. I'm nervous. I'm following God. I'm hanging out with Naomi. I'm, I'm faithful in this, and I trust this, but I'm still a little unsure. My footing's unsteady, but I want to go and grow. I want to go out here and do the work. I want to connect. I want to find favor. It's time to do something. Naomi is a longtime believer. She's practical, knowledgeable, and wants to get Ruth plugged in. She grants her permission to this. Now, she didn't want this to happen. If Naomi disagreed with her, she could have sent to her, no. But Naomi says, go, my daughter. Now, those two things in that sentence are very pertinent. One is go, you may. The second one is my daughter, meaning I love you, right? Go and know that this is good for you in my eyes. This is a smart move. This is, I'm proud of you, a little bit, right? That's my girl. At a girl, that's what we got to be doing. Naomi's too old to do this. Now, that's probably not true. She could probably go out and glean a little bit, but it would have torn her up a little bit. She's far older, right? She's been through some stuff. But Ruth is, is a little bit more spry, so she's like, let me go do this. I'll find favor of a man. And, and Naomi says, at a girl, at a girl. Let's, let's get her done. Boaz is the overseer, an elder in the church, somebody that's perhaps in a position to, 
to be a supervisor of a congregation, right? He's wise, kind, and wants everyone to grow in the Lord. We see this evidence when he first talks to his people in the field. He greets them in the name of the Lord, and they reply in the name of the Lord. They know how he feels. They know what he wants to hear, and he's letting them know, I care for you. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm here because the Lord brought me here, and you're here for the same reason. Let's just keep things in the proper position. And the workers that we see in the field are the church. They are diligent, compassionate, and caring toward Ruth. This bullet to me is a little bit tricky. And if you think, well, I don't know about that, how compassionate and caring are they? Go back and reread this, the description from the servant. The description of the servant sounds like somebody trying to defend something that they fear Boaz may not be on board with. She's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab, right? Naomi, you know Naomi. <laughs> oh, sure. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. She was really polite about it. Uh, so she came, and she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. I mean, she's been busy the whole time, right? That's how I read this. Now, don't be mad at her. I mean, this is, she's doing, this is great. She's been awesome. We have no problem with her. We're glad she's here. Just in case, boss, is like, I've told you a hundred times, no new gleaners, right? That's what these workers are doing. They see her hard work. They know what Boaz is thinking, what he's going to do. They know once he learns that it's Naomi's kid, that he's probably going to be with them, and they are right. Boaz is like, oh, that's great to hear. Unbelievable. When she probably could have come in here with tears in her eyes and said, we're so poor and poor Naomi, and what about me? But that's not what she does. She shows up and gets to work. Excited, nervous, connects and wants to grow. Naomi is all for that. Hey, I know how this works around here. That's going to be well received. And, and, and Naomi knows Boaz is out there. We don't know that she said anything to Ruth, but Naomi's well aware. And sure enough, Boaz, kind, wants people to connect and grow, see somebody else, here's a great opportunity for me to serve. Whoever that is, I'm going to serve in the name of the Lord. Oh, that's Naomi's. That's Ruth. Oh, oh boy. I mean, this couldn't have worked out any better. I've been, wanting to, I've been praying for you already, the Lord repay. I'm going to tell her, you know what? I heard what you did. Help yourself to the water. They'll take, they got your back. Let me care for you, please, please. It's literally the least I could do. Thanks for humoring me. <laughs> but when we read this story, let's read it as a wonderful love story, thanks to God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is not that. It is that. But we can also imagine this going wrong in many ways if people hadn't done their jobs. What if Boaz would have been a stalwart and didn't want to talk to her? Ruth may have toddled off and never even mentioned that she found favor in a man's eyes. What if Ruth hadn't had the, the, the courage, if you will, or the, the chutzpah to go to a field and glean in a land where she's probably going to be treated in a hostile way? What if the workers had badmouthed her? Well, she stole, she ran off a couple of the other gleaners with a, it looked like a dagger or something, and then took all theirs. She hasn't done anything. I don't like the sound of that. Get out of here, right? And what if Naomi had said, no, 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 we're not going to trust in the Lord that much. You just stay here for now. It's too scary out there. We see that if we find, we can see that as we find ourselves in similar situations, we should be thoughtful. Whether we are a Ruth or a Boaz or a group of people or a Naomi, be thoughtful and understand. When someone new comes into our lives, when someone new shows up in the field and they're just gleaning for scraps, figure out what we're going to do. Got an opportunity to be a Boaz, let's be a Boaz. If someone else is, someone else, if someone else is going to be a Boaz, then let's be workers in the field and encourage them with smiling faces and handshakes and things like that. Our commitment to compassion could be a difference maker for a new believer. A huge difference maker. If Boaz and his workers and Naomi had not been compassionate and, and receptive to what Ruth wanted to do, her needs, this story's completely different. We're in chapter 2. All this starts right here. So the call to action is this. Pay attention. Pay attention. 
Be inviting. Commit to compassion and commit to Jesus Christ. The one thing that we don't see in this passage is a mention of Jesus Christ. We're in the Old Testament. We don't even see much mention of the Lord except it's kind of invoked by, uh, you know, Boaz in, in passing, right? But what we, what we know is that that commitment to Christ is what's going to fuel all these other commitments. When someone new comes through that door or into our lives and they're looking for something, we want to be paying attention to that. We don't want to be so heads down and lost in the work and the, the calculations of the day. Or Boaz could have been down in his, you know, ledger and counting the sheaves and all this kind of stuff. But he doesn't do that. He pays attention. He invites her to stay. And he commits to his compassion for her, which, by the way, is going to unfold for the rest of this book. Boaz didn't know it then, but his commitment to God is going to translate to us to a commitment to Jesus Christ. What did Jesus call us to do? Spoiler alert, it's these things exactly. That's our great commission. Tell the whole world of Christ. And when they hear the name of Christ, they hear the, the story and the truth of Christ, the gospel message, and their lives change because they now understand that there was a Christ. There was a Son of God, and He was a person, and He never sinned. He lived a perfect life, and He died. And He died for my sin. It changes it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for this, this book of Ruth. I'm thankful for the Old Testament and how there's the, this beautiful weaving of your, your sovereignty along with your grace and your wrath and your love and your compassion and your justice. It's, it's, it's evident that you are a God that is exactly as you described. There is no change. You don't change your mind. You don't change your... Your persona, Lord, you are, you are that you are. And Lord, I pray when we see these these tales, these beautiful stories of hope uh, in a world that it, at this time would have been largely hopeless, um, that we understand that yes, Boaz made some choices. Boaz did some things. His field workers did some things. Naomi and Ruth, they did things. They took action, but they did so at the guiding of your sovereign hand, Lord. And so where thanks are due and where we see Boaz saying, oh, thanks, uh, I pray that God will repay you. And then he proceeds to repay her. He wants her to know that there's a Lord that's in charge of this, much more than I'll ever be. And Lord, I pray for us as we go out and we approach the world that we bear that in mind. Yes, we want to talk to people about you, Lord. And we want to see them come to know you and spend and hang out with us in the church. We want to see the church grow, but not just for the sake of church growth. We want to see the church grow because it is worship unto you, Lord. Boaz wants to reward Ruth, not just because Ruth did a good job, because it's worship unto you. It's worship unto you, Lord. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this time to study and, uh, and lift up your name on high. It's in your sons' name I pray. Amen.